There's a story, is it true? The Kiwi has a brother. The Aussies call him Emu. He runs around all Uluru. They've been mates, that wingless pair, the ones up here and ones down there. A pair of Anzacs stuck like glue, the Kiwi and the Emu. Hello and welcome to the Kiwi and the Emu, a podcast exploring the experience of blind and vision impaired Australasians living through the corona experience. Two countries, two different approaches with similar outcomes, the Kiwi and the Emu. Welcome to episode 17, which has been recorded on June 24th, 2020, where Victoria is going backwards. We've had our several days in a row, probably about eight days in a row, where we have recorded double-digit figures in corona cases. People have been going to family gatherings, people have been out protesting. Well, I guess people are saying, well, if you can have 10,000 people at a protest, why can't you have 10? Sadly, we have further restrictions on the number of people we can have in our houses and the peop- and the shops did not, or the restaurants did not open up to 50 patrons this week as expected. We now have to wait to the 12th of July, I do believe, another two and a half weeks from now. But how's it going over there in Aotea Free All Over, Carolyn? I believe you've had a bit of an incident. Yes, we've had uh, problems where it appears that procedures and systems haven't been followed within the hotels that are holding the people in quarantine when they come back into the country. And as a result, we've had some cases occur. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've changed the and made the testing regime a bit more stricter and it all started as a result of two women who were let out on early release for compassionate reasons and they drove from Auckland to Wellington allegedly not stopping but we found out there was more to that story and Mm -hmm. when they got to Wellington they tested positive wow yeah, so we are, are not over the worst of this yet, guys, so no. we can see us having to live with this for a little while, a little more longer than expected, but at least there are fewer people out of work than there were a month ago, which is good, um, and mm. the economy is starting to pick up, which is also a good thing. Who have we got on the show today? Thank you. We have David and Christine Pocock, who are my first clients as um, I started my business now almost 18 months ago. They followed me from another organisation in the respect of doing some access technology training and we've had a ball with these people. They are delightful people. I've enjoyed every minute of working with them and it gives you confidence when if you start a business well, you can expect it to continue on well and we started off on an excellent footing back um, some 18 odd months ago so I'm really pleased to have and we didn't pay you should say that uh, no this is not a, this is not a, <laughs> they didn't pay us <laughs> I'm actually really looking forward to this interview oh this is good because David has muscular dystrophy which has caused him to lose his eyesight. He was a fully sighted individual 10 years ago. So in 2011, things massively changed for David and his wife. Christine has been a wonderful support to David and helps him with many things. With David's physical um, uh, issues, for example, he does have issues gesturing on a flat screen, which is why we ended up getting a keyboard for his iPad. But of course, this has left David with a noticeable butt 
quite understandable speech impediments. So we do welcome them on the show today because it's going to be absolutely great because they've got a really good story to tell about coming back from overseas and what happened before the big lockdowns occurred. So David and Christine Pocock, welcome to the, to the Corona, Corona Couch. Thank you. It's good to be here. And it's good to have you. So, of course, being my clients, you know, I've had these, we've got this understanding that you know, with some other health issues can often crop up. So I usually ring Christine the morning of one of our sessions to check to see if the appointment is still on and and we can negotiate if um, if David has not, been well enough to have the appointment and those occasions are very rare but of course um, I was uh, delivering service in February and made an appointment for after a two-week trip away that would, that would have put us somewhere in around about early March so guys mid-March mid -March, mid -March it was mid -March. to mid-March and now yes just before the official lockdowns and of course I wound up with this message that I sort of fully expected that on the Monday that I was supposed to deliver service on the Tuesday, but on Monday, Christine texts me and says, we just got back last night and we had to go into self-isolation. This was when it was sort of this voluntary self-isolation. Of course, you didn't know about it at the time. So could you explain about your holiday and how you found out about this and then lead us into, of course, what happened after the two-week self-isolation? Hmm. Do you want me to speak or yeah, don't? Christine. I know you're always up for a okay. good conversation, Christine, so go for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, prior to leaving for the – we went, went over to Greece. Um, so I flew over to Athens, did a bus tour, and then did a, a cruise. Now, prior, prior to leaving, of course, there was sort of all this talk about COVID and there were, you know, there was – um, first of all, China, and then there was the issue with the Diamond Princess cruise ship, which yes. meant, you know, people a little bit more worried about cruising and general overseas travel. But we, you know, we sort of thought we'll be fine. I checked all the information and Greece was not on or all the places we were going to visit were um mm. There wasn't any COVID-19 at that stage, so we went ahead with the trip. Um, I remember the night, the day before we left, we visited my daughter and son-in-law, and my son-in-law sort of was like, well, I think you need some masks before you come, you know, for your trip, and are you sure you should be coming because, you know, it's not very safe? And, of course, we thought, you just, you know. She'll be right. He's Taiwanese, he's a bit overprotective and overreacts to things. Mm. So we thought, look, we just accepted the masks as a, you know, just a bit rather than arguing with him, but thought we won't need these. Mm. This is just, you know, he's overreacting. Um, so we went over and when we arrived, you know, by the time we got there, Italy was starting to go a bit crazy oh, yes. so i know there was a lot of there was some talk so um they then stopped anyone that had been anyone that had been to china singapore um and then they stopped and italy weren't allowed on the tour and that then the, the cruise section they 
increased. So the majority of Europe, all of the um, main parts of Europe, like around mm. Italy, Spain, etc., weren't allowed. Germany wasn't allowed on the t- right. the cruise, which meant that the cruise was very safe. So we had a cruise with not many people. Um, was of the, the ship normally holds one and a half thousand. 800 had booked on, been confirmed, booked onto the ship. And then of those 800, only 349 were allowed on the ship. Mm. So, wow, that's quite a significant reduction of people. So it was a significant reduction. So. so we had very... Um, really good service on the ship. We got really good service because yeah, they had more than... <laughs> they had so many supplies, it was ridiculous. Um so we, you know, we did our tour, we did our cruise, and of course on the cruise we started getting um, the only um, TV station that was in English was the BBC, mm. and we started seeing all the reports of Italy and different, you know, other European places and realised that things weren't looking good and there was sort of talk about, England possibly having some problems and America having problems. Um, yeah, I think about that time. But of course, we didn't. There was nothing about Australia. Mm. I think. It, and then I think about that time. Um, you, America started making noise about um, preventing people coming into that country from Europe. Yeah. Mm. So about two days. So I think about a day or two before we got back to Athens. Um, or it was a bad day, a day before, um, and President Trump decided to lock down the borders in America. And so the majority of our tour was, um, were Americans, and suddenly mm. they were all found out their flights had been cancelled. Oh, goodness. Um, you know, because the way Trump did it was... <laughs> Trump did really it as only Trump much. could do it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was like everything just closed off. So that was a, so there was sort of like we were really enjoying ourselves, but at the same time there was this real concern um, about getting back. And then there was another person from Australia who had been planning to go to on a tour from Rome. She was going to fly to Rome, across to England, and then across to New York. Um, mm. So she was a bit concerned about how to, you know, what she should do because it was on the cruise. You can't make phone call. You know, you can't. The internet's not very reliable. So, and um, so we end up having to buy some internet because we were actually concerned about how we were going to get back. Of course, you know, because mm. we thought if everyone else is having flights cancelled, we, just, you know, because. I'm not getting any information on, you know, so I better double check. Mm. Um, but, you know, at that stage, there was nothing, no, nothing mentioned on my internet. So, so we continued on, finished the tour, um, and we were really lucky. We got back the day Greece locked down. Okay, yep. Um, so they closed all their museums and monuments so they were very careful so they were locking down sections once there was a if once there was one case in an area they would lock down the whole area 
um, so we we were very very lucky to be able to do everything we did um, so we had a marvelous tour got back to Athens and of course Dave um, we'd been to e in Egypt we'd had a dust storm and because of Dave's muscular dystrophy mm. he is very prone to if he gets sick at all it causes this reflux so he ended up with um, the dust storm starting like a um, low coughing, which then, you know, which and shortness of breath, which was the case. Every single person on the tour experienced that same shortness of breath because of the um, dust well, storm. Would, but in Dave's case, it, it, it ended up, it, link, it then progressed into this reflux. Mm -hmm. So it then... You know, whereas everyone else recovered, he continued to keep coughing, which was rather embarrassing on a on a cruise. Yeah, when during COVID nineteen, it's bad enough being on a train coughing. when you hear somebody cough. Everyone says COVID. You know, yeah. So, so that, was, so that yeah. was a bit interesting. We had to, you know, fortunately the people knew Dave's situation and were okay, but it was still uncomfortable. But we were starting to be get a bit worried about getting home um, in case the authorities decided that Dave had COVID and mm. wouldn't let, wouldn't let him on the plane. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so you obviously got on the plane and headed back towards Melbourne. We managed to get on the plane. We did. Dave wore a mask the whole way home. Right, yep. Um, to just to be on the safe side. We arrived back in Melbourne Airport sort of this is a Sunday night evening so we left on the Sunday mm -hmm. we arrived back on the Monday, Monday the six was it Monday or Tuesday mm. anyway the night they had brought in the restrictions the midnight before we arrived home now you had no knowledge of this until you got off the plane is that correct that's oh, right. Wow. So here you are thinking, wow. great, we're going to land in Melbourne and simply get the car out of the long-term parking and simply go home like you normally would. Was that the expectation? Well, we, we expected to go home mm. like normal yeah. and catch a taxi home. Oh, okay, catch a taxi home. Um, yeah. We weren't sure exactly what the situation was going to be. Yep. But we thought, um, I mean, to be honest, we were we decided that, we didn't care what happened once we got home. We were so worried about being stuck in Athens or Qatar with Dave. Yes. In a strange place. Mm-hmm. Unable to do anything. So we um So we were so even though we knew we were in self isolation, it was like at least we're at home. At least we're home, yeah. So you come, I know, I know that part of the airport rather well. You you come out of the through the international terminal and you go through passport control or the the customs and then the quarantine. So mm. was yeah. that about? So before we got to that, yeah. as we got off the plane, we got off the plane. Like normally, you get that thing, you know, the form that you fill out. Oh yes, the uh, incoming but card. They didn't yep. give you that. They didn't give them out on the plane. Really? Unusual. We had to just pick them up. On our way through, but as we got walked through the airport, we were given the uh, walked off the plane. I handed these sheets of paper saying, mm. "We have to self isolate." Gosh. 
Um, so that's the first official warning of what was mm. to happen. Mm. Um, but no details about what that meant right. as far as getting home. Mm. Um, and the next thing I got a phone call from my brother right. to check on us. Yep. And so, you know, saying, well, you've got to self-isolate. So um, do you want me to pick up your car and drive at your car to the airport? Mm. And then he was planning to throw the keys at me from a distance <laughs> because he wasn't going to go anywhere near me. Yeah. And then let me drive, go back in his, his own car. So I presume he's going to bring his wife with him. And I was like, oh, I'm too tired. You know, the last thing I felt like doing was driving my own car. Trying to instruct him to find, you know, because he would have had to go to my son's place to try and get my son to let him into my house to get the car keys. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, wow. So, you know, so then we were walking, you know, we did all your normal stuff through passports and mm. picking up luggage and all that sort of thing. And we're like, what are we, you know, We've got these conflicted, you know, this information, but nothing clarified as to, you know, how we're allowed, you know, what we're how allowed we to home? do officially. Yeah, so. Mm. Um, and I asked somebody, and one person was, I'm not sure. You know, go and speak to, yeah. Um, was it a sort of a tense feeling of what do I do, how do I do it type sort of in yeah, the atmosphere? Yeah, it was, because I want to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, so I sort of asked one, one official person and he was like, no, you'll have to just ask border security. They'll tell you. So I'm like, okay. So I'm like, I have no idea. So I can't even let my son, brother know if I need him um, until I get right through the whole thing. And then, yeah. finally, you know, when we got to, come to come an official sliding doors, and they yeah. said, no, you can allow to, you know, you can try, you know, yeah, a lot of those places don't like using your mobile phone. I'll, look, I'll be honest, I've done it coming through there because I've had people hiding around in Melrose Avenue ready to pick me up. So I've been able to text or ring people as I've come in from New Zealand and sort of, you know, I'm, I'm halfway through the system. I'm about to come out in probably five or ten minutes because when you're an international traveller on your own, you, you can utilise the meet and assists and that can take a little longer than if you were going through by yourself. Um, so, yes, I've used the phone in the customs so, area before so and haven't you, been shot for it. Yeah, because I was going to say, so were you allowed to use the taxis? I mean, out here. Yes, we were. Yeah, same here. So, no, mm. you've got, we, we know you've got to get home, which I thought, considering you're supposed to be self-isolating. Yeah, you've got to get a taxi you, home. You know, you're allowed to catch public transport or taxi or something. And they said, said, look, just just use your mask just in case. So, okay. you know, if you've got a, if you've got a mask, so... So we did. So that was fine. Mm. Um, okay. So then, you get home, obviously. Now, just that, just that same weekend, I thought of you guys because that's when the New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announced it on the Saturday that they were going to require people, as of the Monday, to self-isolate for two weeks if coming back into New Zealand. Australia jumped on the same wagon with less or fewer hours' notice on the Sunday and said, well, we're just going to do what New Zealand's done. So there were there were less opportunities for travellers coming into Australia to find out, or fewer opportunities rather, for people coming into Australia to find out yeah. about this than there would have been if you'd been travelling mm. to New Zealand. And yeah, there the, was re there. The, re 
the reason for our announcement was so that the international airlines departing could actually inform the passengers before they departed there um, where they were to come to New Zealand so then they could actually make the choice whether to come or not. Yes. Yeah, so New Zealand being a nice, green, clean, clean, green, kind place it is, but Australians, nah, suffer it out for yourself, figure it out for yourself, guys. <laughs> I was happy, happy to got be home. Back. Yeah. We, rode, we got home and I was quite, look, you know, I think it made sense having to isolate. Yes, mm. I got that text message mm. on the Monday or the Tuesday saying we can't do the appointment either that week or the following week and i expected yeah. when it turned up that your text message turned up christine i fully expected it i thought yep i remember thinking i've had my first corona affected bit of business <laughs> yep. so anyway so you're into the two-week isolation now there's some adventures that happened in your home if uh, one of you would like to tell <laughs> well, us about this the first yeah the first um adventure you know i mentioned about dave having his this cough and this reflux and of course, that combined with the jet lag and being tired and stuff like that. So the next day, Dave was feeling worse. Okay. And, yep. you know, more short of breath. And we're like, so I'm looking up because I kept getting different people. We get, you know, my son was saying, I think you're allowed to walk, go for a walk if you're in self isolation, as long as you don't near, go anywhere. So I tried looking up information and, that wasn't very clear. If I was had a dog, I was allowed to go for a walk, but not by myself. So that didn't make sense. Okay. Um, but then there was this this cough of Dave's. So we then had to ring the so we rang the GP yep. to check. And of course you get put on hold and you go through, you know, I think we waited ten minutes, fifteen minutes on hold while you had all this whole blurb about coronavirus. Oh, and, yeah, on the you know, recorded message when you were what to yeah. do and all the rest of mm -hmm. it. And finally got through to the reception mm -hmm. and they're like, well, you've just come back from overseas. You're not allowed to come into the yeah. clinic. We'll make an appointment for you. So that was fine. So they, the doctor rang back later at whatever time it was um, and spoke to Dave made an assessment based on the history. Yes, you need to go to the hospital and get checked. Get checked. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the I'm week not, before no. Mad March, as I call it, which is the weekend of the 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th. So we're talking yeah. about the so week this leading would have up been about. So this would have been about the 17th. So yep, this was yep. literally the day after we got right, back. Yep. Um, so I was speaking to the GP, uh, told just go to the hospital. I'm like, okay, so we got the instructions. We had to wear masks. You know, both of us had to be a mask. So I was mm -hmm. allowed because it was an emergency. We were going to the hospital, medical appointment, so we had to wear masks. So, so these masks that I thought my son-in-law was being a bit crazy, giving it to it, you know, over zealous, we got yes. We we actually used them. Mm. Um, Fair so enough. we arrived at the hospital, took Dave in. Um, Spoke to triage, explained the situation, and they're straight away, okay, might be coronavirus. He has to go into isolation. Mm. And how were you feeling during all this, Dave? Me? Yeah. 
110, you know, it's not well, whatever happens, happens, you know. Yep. So I was really to remind, I was, I was 99.9999% that I did not have coronavirus. You know, there's always that niggling doubt, but I, uh, look, you know, I said, let's, you know, go along for the ride. Look, yeah. when I was, when I was overseas, you know, it was really weird people would purposely, you know, take two steps away from you and then talk to you and say, no, we've got to, you know, stay apart. And during the uh, visit, uh, going into hospital, it's really rude if you try and speak to somebody, you know, a long way away. Yeah. But then I had to distance, you know. Mm. So there's two things going on in my head, you know. You know, oh, I've got to do it safety. This is showing, you know, the person a lot of disrespect. Mm. And I thought, and I said, look, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I think I need to, you know, stand, you know, far apart. You know, I don't want to uh, be disrespectful to you. And she says, look, I appreciate that. Look, under yeah. the circumstances, let's do that. Mm. And uh, it was just, you know, the first time I heard of it was the tour guide, you know, mm. when, we got, when we got back into port, you know, the place was locked down. And when I say locked down, I mean locked down. You know, I went through customs there mm. and I was wearing a mask. Yep. And I did not take off the mask to go through customs. Wow. So the passport guy didn't really get a full view mm. of your face, but you... No. Yeah, and the same in Australia. Oh, okay. There was no looking at your face. What? You st- you kept your mask on wow. the whole time. Wow, how about that? Yeah. Wow, you yeah, because they usually hold the passport up when you go through the, you know, the... Yeah. Yeah, put, you know, they had a look at the passport. Mm. You go ahead, keep your mask on. Yeah. Um, so in the hospital, when we arrived at the hospital, yes. the nurse came out, saw Dave... She was in a gar- gown, mask, you know, thing Full over her head, now, the whole work. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she said, right, he's going into isolation. Um, do you want to come in with him mm. or not? And I'm like, what's the choice? And she said, you come in, you're, never, you're, you're stuck in there the whole time. You're not allowed out yeah. for any reason right. whatsoever. Sure. And I'm like, oh, you know, I don't really want to be stuck there indefinitely. What does that mean? And she, I said, well, what do you think I should do? And she said, if I was you, I'd go straight home. Right. We'll look after him, mm-hmm. um, which for me was quite um, a bit scary because normally when Dave goes into hospital, I go in and make sure everything's set up, that they understand exactly what Dave needs, yep. you know, because his need, you know. Got high needs. Yeah. That's a lot yeah. of complications. So it, would have, it, it would have been a, a really hard decision to make. Yeah. 
um, heart wrenching. Gut wrenching, I guess. Oh God, yeah, you know, because there's the the blind blindness combined, you know, combined with when he's not well, he can't communicate effectively, mm. and then all these other complications, you know, because normal bet, you know, if you lie, if they lie down the wrong way, you know, it exacerbates the problems, and so that was kind of, oh, am I doing the right thing? But then, you know. If I'm not, if I stay with him, I can't get out. Mm. I, you know, mm. I've got to get my car. My car. I, what do I do about my car? Yeah. I haven't parked it properly, mm. so I end up going home and then waited until you know. I end up, I rang several times to check, and they're like, "We're still waiting. We're still waiting." You know, we'll we'll let you know. And I end up. I think about 11 o'clock I gave up and I thought surely they won't be sending him back home now. So I went to bed and then I was woken up at one thirty in the morning to pick him up. Mm, wow. Um, Typical hospitals, yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> yes, I remember you telling me this story. So you just go home. Yeah. So um, Dave can probably tell you a bit more what it was like, how much care and attention he got from the doctors and the nurses and Go for it, Dave. the amount of help they got well, to deal with this issue. Look, the, the nurse actually listened to my chest and she did the ops and she did that. Uh, okay, we went in, what was it, about 8 o'clock? Yep. Uh, no, it was earlier than yeah, it was earlier, no, than it was earlier than that. Earlier than that, wasn't okay. It? Earlier than that, okay. It was earlier. Anyway, they did it off on me when I went in, and they did. It's probably around five. Okay, okay. five. Yep. And the next time I got off was sometime during the night. I don't know when, but I only had off taken two times. Okay, for the whole period of time you were there. Yeah. So you were there for probably about seven hours, I guess, maybe eight hours? Yes, mm. eight hours. Yep. So, you know, the the nurse, she said, I've got a gown, I've got a clean gown on, then I've got an over apron over that. Wow. And then I've got a protective blouse uh, uh, over that. Wow. Um, yeah. And it, every time she came in to see him, they had to. She had to change, change all her, change everything. Yes, I believe it's quite a daunting. So she thing. avoided visiting him very often. Oh dear, yeah, I believe it's quite uh, involved. All this getting dressed and undressed for this sort of stuff from what and, I hear. And yeah. it's very hot for them to work in. Yes, it's yeah. Very hot. yeah. I think they checked his chest and they said he had a wheeze, so they did do a chest X-ray. Um, but that was mm. it, and then was like. You can't see anything, um, yep. and you don't have a temperature. And the blood test came back with the, didn't show any sign of any infection. Yep. So, so they said, you know, you're you're COVID. You're fine to go home. Hmm. When they did the COVID test on me, hmm. and they said, "Oh, go home, so so self isolate." Mm-hmm. And I came back, you know, with, uh, you know, came back negative. 
And so I thought, oh, I don't have to sell house line. And they said, you yeah, did. you did. So he was, uh, yeah, so it was about five days later that he got the test results. Right. Oh, yeah, apparently you but do. But the issue was that, you know, okay, there was definitely, a, you know, something wheeze, wrong with his chest because they could hear the wheeze. But because he didn't have COVID, it's like, no, you can go home, you're fine. There was no, nothing. And then, you know, just ring your GP. But he's not allowed to go and visit the GP. Oh, brilliant. Had phone calls with the GP. He's like, just, you you know, because I rang a couple of times when um, his breathing was still really bad. He was using a lot of Ventolin. And yep. I was concerned. And the GP's like, no, he's fine. You know, just keep using more Ventolin. You know, you're not, you know. You can't come in because you're short of breath. And mm. Well, there are many things that can overseas. cause shortness of breath. You know, from my illness last year, I've been left with a legacy, and that's shortness of breath. Um, and you think, well, what do you, you know, it's like if you didn't have COVID. Almost not interested in you, are they? It's like you're not, they're not interested. Mm, crazy, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, that can... sort of speaks volumes. It's why I think a lot of people have not gone to the doctor to seek medical help for other ailments uh, that mm. that they would have a year ago before COVID. Oh, well, I've got a sore throat, yeah. or I've got a you know shortness of breath. I need to go and see a doctor. They're not doing that now. They they you know, same with the you know, how many cancer treatments and cancer diagnoses have not been made. How many um, you know bowel screening tests have not been done or acted on because everybody's worried about COVID. Yeah. yeah. Although they are trying to encourage people to, yeah, after they re- realised it was a problem, do that. Yeah, but, there are ads on the radio now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but they're also you know, sort of scratching had... about the the fact that the flu numbers are down and that. But are they really? Mm. Is it just that people are not actually turning up? Well, I guess that the flu numbers are down, so you have are having people dying from the flu. But then, how can you get the flu without? Yeah, it's saying how low those numbers are, whether people are just not presenting or if it's the fact that people are isolating anyway and they're just not getting out and about to transmit the standard flu or common cold. Yeah. Yeah. I think think there's, I mean, you can't get the flu if you're not meeting up with people. Well, this is just it. You know, if you're staying home, you're not going to get those other bugs and, you know, crazies that you would normally get this time of year. So that was the hospital adventure. Now, there's another adventure that occurred. Obviously, they sent you home and said... Yeah, don't come back. (laughs) What else happened with a certain toilet, I believe? Dave tried to fix it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Fix-It tried to fix it? The toilet was, um, yeah. So while we're in self-isolation. We haven't even got to normal um, lockdown yet. This is still self-isolation. The toilet started leaking. Self-isolation. The toilet started to leak like it just kept running and running mm. so dave decided to fix it so we turned off the water which was fine uh, you know undid the tap to take out the washer that was fine yep. um and he thought he could just replace the washer and that would be fix it all up yeah. but it was a different type of washer to what we had in stock um in the house yeah and so yeah. If I wasn't in lockdown, I could have just got Christine to drive with the runnings 
right, got the right yeah. one and fixed it. But you're yeah. in self-isolation, so no going to Bunnings. So what happened? No going to Bunnings. I'm, you know, so I've got this stupid washer. I'm like, how do I get, you know, I tried taking photos of it and texting them across to my son to see if he could pick up a copy. I think actually my brother rang and I explained to him what was happening. And he said he'd try and, you know, he asked me to text him a copy, you know, photos. Mm. But that didn't work, you know, trying to show in the bits and I don't know what I'm talking about, you know. Like I didn't know how to describe the washer and I mean even on a text trying to you know I'm trying to put it next to something next to a ruler so you can get some measurements I don't know much about tap washers I I assume they're all the same size but with these modern taps on on, no they're not so you haven't got the wrong one okay so so I thought we're stuck because Dave's turned off the water and if we turn the water back on now without the washer, get a flood. the water's just going to pour out through the tap, you know, the outlet to the, the inlet to the toilet and flood the house. This is a normal household um, incident that, as you said, without uh, lockdown or um, self-isolation, you could fix just by a short drive to the local Bunnings. But now things yeah. have changed. Well, you bring your son yeah. and you ring another family after member work. and fix it, yeah. Yeah. So what happened? You know, nice and easy. Yeah. Instead, we I then rang to get advice, thinking, well, I, I looked up all the information and the, it does, doesn't come under their regulations about what, you know, what to do in certain emergencies. The only emergencies they mention are medical emergencies. You can go to the doctors. That's fine. Mm-hmm. So I rang the, you know, COVID number. Um, so got through to one place and they're like, oh, we can't do anything about that. You know, you need to ring. Uh, oh, we can give you, are you short of food? Mm, yeah, okay. We can get you a, because the gov- Victorian government brought in this thing where they would provide a parcel of food if you're in lockdown yeah. and you were short of food, which was which was good. Look, you know, the government, I, I know at least doesn't like the government, but I think, the government did a good job well, they certainly in a lot can, of ways. Certainly, can offer you food. It's <laughs> what comes out the other end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then they were like, "Bring this okay. other number." So I rang the other number, and they're like, "Well, we can give you advice if you, you know, all the symptoms and where to get tested and stuff, but we can't. You know, you need to speak to a Victorian place." So we'll send you to somewhere else, and we just uh, and each place you rang, you would be on the phone for close to an hour on hold because it was you know mm. this is sort of mid March when everything's gone into lockdown, yeah. everything's you know the whole thing's gone crazy, um, and so everyone's ringing. So finally. I got through to one place and that, you know, they, I mean, each person was really nice yeah. once I got through a person. Mm. But, they, you know, they're like, I'll speak to my supervisor. Oh, no, we can't make a judgment on that. You have to ring this number and then this number and then they put me onto this number. And finally, this person got back to me and said, look, I've spoken to my supervisor. We are not allowed to 
give you any permission to do that. What you, you know, I recommend you ring the police. No, the, ring the Dobbin line. Oh, dob yourselves in. I, and that you was, want a plumber, I'll dob And yourself. I'm like, what's the Dobbin? Oh, <laughs> I didn't even know there was such a thing yeah, as a Dobbin there is, line. Yes. And so they gave us the number. I tried ringing this Dobbin line. So we had no idea who I was actually ringing. Yeah. I'm here to dob myself in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to break out of isolation. I want a plumber. I need to dob myself in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, mm. I got couldn't get through. That number was completely, it was so busy. I rang and rang and it was just, I just got the busy signal. And I found out later that, you know, much later, they'd had record numbers of people dobbing people in. Yeah, it was full. To the police. And mm. I, I, I double-checked and I found out that that number was actually the police line. Right. So I thought, well, if they're giving me the police line, I can just ring a normal policeman. So I end up looking online on the internet found the number for our local police station and rang them and found a, a human being. Oh, so all you had to do is just ring a normal cop make shop. A normal cop shop, yeah. he said. After all that. This is, yeah. Yes, this is an emergency. You are allowed to get a plumber in Excellent. or, a, you know, somebody to come in and fix it. As long as, you know, and he gave us the rules, you know, yeah. just make sure you stay away from the person, that that's all they do. Um they can come in, check what you need, go out, get it, and come back and fix right. it. That's fine. Just yeah. So the toilet so we got up, fixed. I rang my plumber. Of course, couldn't get through to him. Um, he rang back later, and then I got through. You know, and he sort of came back. It was a day or two later. He actually came and fixed it properly. Mm. But in the meantime, I got my son, and he was able to at least picks up the washer. Um, so he went to Bunnings and picked up the, the correct washer and fixed it up for me so that at least we could get water, get water back, back on. on the, in the rest so of that, the house, yeah. A, well, that is so that was exciting. very exciting sort of stuff. And, of course, if that's not all, your two-week mandatory isolation period ended, I think, roughly about 6 o'clock or thereabouts on, I think it was a Monday evening, because I remember talking to you either just before it ended or just after it did. We spent an hour on the phone and you were telling me all these really interesting stories. That's right, because we arrived back on a Monday. Yep. That's correct. Yes, you, we left on the Sunday. We got on back Monday, on Monday. And you were free on the following two-week Monday. So we were free at midnight that day, yep. officially. Right, and that was about um, the 23rd of March. And that was the day the... the Victoria went into complete lockdown. Yep, yep. So my son and my daughter-in-law laughed at us because we <laughs> got back the day we went, you know, that the day before we arrived, the midnight the day we arrived, before we arrived was when the mandatory self-isolation isolation started. We came out of lockdown the day we went into complete lockdown. So... Um, but at least I could go to the shops. I was going to say, so then what happened? Could you at least go to the shops? Could you, um, well, I, I know during that time I was allowed to come over because it was considered work and support. 
Um, so we weren't as, as complete as, say, New Zealand was. So um, so what was the mandatory, well, at level three we had here in Victoria, what was that like for you two? I w- it was really good for me because I could at least go to the shops and it was a bit of a shock going to the shops and finding all these empty shelves because I wasn't, and people avoiding you yes. and it was very, you know, very strange um, feeling. Dave did not go to the shops because he's considered high risk. So mm. we thought it's probably safer if he doesn't come. We also had like his speech therapy appointments, yes, which are really crucial because of his um, speech issues and the be, swallowing that needs issues. to be kept up, doesn't it? Those that therapy, doesn't it? So they were all. They had to. She wasn't prepared to come to the house. Mm. So they were all done on Zoom, which I found really tiring. Yeah, yes, I know. Mm. um, And because, you know, we've got Dave sort of setting it up so Dave can watch what Dave's face is doing and what he's doing. And, you know, he's learning how to use these communication devices. And, of course, he can't see what he's doing, so I'm having to help him. Um, So... It's not the same as no. Well, it's not the same as being in person. It's like I've got extra work to do because I'm having to really manage everything more carefully. Hmm. Um, well, from my side of it, I, you know, coming over to deliver the technology support, we were at that time doing a lot of keyboarding training. Uh, we set it up so that if I couldn't come, we would be able to use a computer on the dining room table, aim it towards Dave on the keyboard. And I would sit at home up here in Ringwood and watch what Dave was doing to deliver the service that way. The other thing we did, of course, was set up the tripod so that uh, should he need... Now, I'm, I'm led to believe you were able to see the physiotherapist, but had you not been able yeah, to... Yeah, we have been. He, yeah. We've been seeing the physio. And we positioned um, the camera. But, we, but, you know, because the physio is so important, we wanted to yeah. be sure that he could still see her so we... Organized yes, it. we did it so we could see Dave doing it, and it exercise. was so good well, being able it? to do it um, by having Elise there. She had her computer, so she could look at what was happening. So we'd do a Zoom conference, all in Within the, same the same house at various rooms place. in the house. Yeah, so that you know, Dave would be doing using his, you know, doing things. We, um, and re- while I was watching... What we eventually did was I took over some of my photography gear, which was a tripod mm. with a, 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 a mobile phone mount on it. We put Christine's phone on it. I was very impressed with the uh, camera on that phone. And then I went into another room and pretended to be the physiotherapist or any therapist for that matter who needed to talk to Dave. And we were able to set it up so that had they had to use it, they haven't, but at least they could use this technology for mm. the for the speech therapist. Um, had they had to use it for the physiotherapist, we did trial walks up. They've got a rather long kitchen. so And we did some work out on the back veranda too, I think, so that Christine knew at, at, at a pinch where to position the camera and they eventually bought their own tripod and um, ca- um, you know, mo- mobile phone mount um, so that this would work. They haven't had to use it for the physiotherapist, but the technology is there. Christine knows what to do. She gets an email with a Zoom link in it or wherever, a text, and does what she did when she came mm. on here today, follows the link and comes online. Because obviously it's quite different doing physio 
yes. compared to, say, the speech therapy. The speech therapist is wanting to see more his face, whereas the physiotherapist is wanting to see him mm-hmm. doing the actual exercises. So you need the whole body. Um, yes. yes. And so that's what we found using the phone on the tripod. You got the best view of his body. Um, mm. Rather than it, whereas the computer didn't set up, you know, well, it's, it's hard to sort of suspend a computer in limit. the you right could, area to photographs, you know, to film somebody walking up and down a, an area, and you know, as you say, getting the whole body. So that's where just a bit of creative um, creativeness came in there, and um, yeah, it worked rather well. And you've got that technology for future future reference if you need it, but also. Uh, other therapists as well so you know zoom's been great in that respect but you're right it's not truly like seeing their therapist and you were one of my people i was like i know one morning i was sitting there thinking i just wish i i'm glad i'm here but i could wish i could go to other places you know because i I was myself suffering cabin fever you know so we've been having these two weekly or weekly or monthly or whatever they've been appointments um through this and uh Mm. now things are a lot freer Mm. but um yeah, we've done a lot in that time. And uh... yeah, and the other thing you might like to talk, we had um, later on, Vision Australia oh, decided yes. to do oh, I know what's coming. woodwork. Woodwork on Zoom. Here we go. Tell us about that. Woodwork on Zoom, <laughs> um, which was rather interesting. So initially it was just um, a chat session. And, of course, I would then have to set everything up and, which was fine once I got it set up and I could go off. But when the computer decides to pack up because Dave can't see, sometimes he doesn't know the code and so he can't get the co- into the code. So that's where it becomes more mm. problematic for a blind person. You know, they can't, you know. Well, it's harder to key those numbers in if you get challenged for a, a password. Um, we've yeah. done a little bit of that in our sessions but not enough to warrant um it being a reliable thing and then of course we've only i think done it on the ipad with the keyboard i don't think we've done it on you know the mobile phone or anything else so obviously you're assisting dave to get online then so where do you position your camera when you're doing the woodwork or do they see what dave's doing or is it we do it on the we use his ipad and have it set up like we did with you on the ipad on, on the, the dining um, room table the dining room table yep. And then when then you know so they had a few sessions where it was just a bit of a chat and question you know asking questions you know doing a bit of a quiz um, yep. and then they decided to do some actual woodwork so they sent this kit out where they do things where they'd make a a model a motorbike. motorbike now from my mm. point of view I end up having to I. I found it very stressful because I was listening to this conversation. You know, you could hear them and they'd be trying to tell Dave, you know, you need to do this, get this point. And you could, and Dave would be feeling around trying to do whatever they were telling him to do. And he obviously couldn't, he didn't have a clue where he was. And they were trying to describe it, you know, over Zoom. Mm. Um, And it was rather painful, and I decided, no, it's supposed to be them and Dave, not me. Yes. But having to be there listening to it, you know. Painful. I either had to be there full-time helping him or right away because, 
you know, listening to him struggle was just too painful. I'm quite surprised that Vision Australia did that, truly, you know. <laughs> well, I'm just imagining the media's reaction if they ever got hold of the fact that a blindness organisation was conducting woodwork lessons over Zoom and that, that practical things were happening. Because... <laughs> You, you better, before you start bagging it, you better check with Dave. Oh, yes. I'm giving you how it felt for me. Now, you better speak to Dave and get his point of view. Um, it's a bit like trying to put IKEA furniture together. I could put IKEA furniture together, but I need somebody to really accurately show me and even hold, you know, show me where this bit goes when they're reading the instructions to me because I can't read the instructions, but I can certainly handle a, a screwdriver, a hammer, and an Allen key, you know. So, how did you feel, Dave? Because they can, because they could see what I was doing, they could tell me to turn it, turn it round, and said, "No, you got it wrong. You got to turn that round more." And I'd say, "You know, turn it round a little bit more." No, well, you've gone too far. Keep turning. So you keep turning. Yeah, that's the right way. And uh, it really was. Frustrating at times. But, you know, look, you got a little pride that you actually managed to do it. So it end, actually worked? So it actually good. worked? Wow. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So, um, okay, get yeah, so what have you built online? And when I was at the blind school, we did woodwork and all that sort of thing. And then the, the struggle I had when I was sent to my local schools to do it. And so I had, I just ended up bringing along stuff to show them. Well, actually, see, I did build this and I've got all my fingers and toes. <laughs> Haven't lost any fingers in the process. And I, I guess the thing yeah. was, at least they were doing something. Yeah, and that's right. I think it's, uh, you know, it's uh, even though I found it frustrating listening, it just, it, I, I mean, it just it drove looks... me insane trying to explain like that. Dave's on the video. So can you describe to us, Dave, what it is you have that you built online? I built this. I don't know if it's upside down. Looks like it looks like a box. Where's the actual thing? They're showing you the box. Oh, so it came out of a kit, did it? Whatever this thing is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so it's okay. It's a kit. So, IKEA, not IKEA, but uh, you know, for you people who do it yourself, putting furniture together, people, this is this is the DIY furniture show. And what, this is what I made. Oh, it's a little, um, it's a bike, is it? Or a, what do you call it? Oh, wow, that's a bike. Well, and you did that online. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, and it's it's got it's got all its wheels. The wheels, the wheels actually yeah. turn. Yeah. 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 It's a tr three, three wheeler thing uh, or a two wheeler thing? Two wheeler thing. Two -wheeler thing. Yeah. Well yeah. done, Vision Australia, then. I'll I'll take that back. <laughs> yeah, that, that, you now, ne and, well, you never know. That might end up in a museum one day. This was built by a bl blind man during the lockdown. Over Zoom. <laughs> Over Zoom. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were having to describe what colours and where, which paint was which and yeah, no, well, they, 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 it's too hard for me. Sometimes they gave me a paintbrush and some, and some paint. Oh, yeah, I can see a little. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, it's about uh, four or five colours in that little thing there yeah. you've got in your hand. And I didn't I didn't realise that there was a paintbrush on the other one that was double-sided. Yeah. So you could do really fine work there. And, oh, you know, I see, yeah, it's a double-ended. Yeah. Double ended uh, and I, 
I didn't realize it was double-ended until last week. Oh, you're kidding. So you used one end when you could have used two. Yeah. Good on you. <laughs> Jeez. One's, one's finer than the other one. Yeah. Look, I couldn't see. <laughs> yeah, so, so how That's did you, so Dave, how did you find, like, the social aspect of just Yes, doing that would have been good. The social aspect, it was really good because you could talk to people, you could, you could realise that everybody was having the same problems that you were. So you were Right, yep. You weren't, you know, in the left out and whatever. And yeah, it so it good, wasn't just one person. To, it was a group you know, of them all fine. in their own homes, all struggling. Yeah. Poor, poor people struggling. So, but you've see, you've got a very um, mechanical um, aptitude. You're you come across to me as before you lost your eyesight, the proverbial Mister Fix It. Anyway, yeah. would that be a good yeah. description of you, Dave? You'll have a go at yeah. anything, even post losing even your if eyesight. You couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you've got that you've got that as a as as, as... Look, I changed tap washers for a while when I could see. Yep. See. And when there was a tap washer that needs me look. Still do it. I knew I knew how to do it. I could still do it. Yeah, yep. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yep. So and as long as I had the correct one, mm. I could do it. Yeah. So, you know, for you it fitted in well because you could use your hands to um to do that sort of stuff, yes. and it's it's worked yeah. out. So good on Vision Australia for doing it, and good on Vision Australia for. I guess it must have started as a social, and the instructor that you had obviously had a great deal of um, not just patience, but a good ability to describe to you where you had to put stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's really good. Very, very patient. Yeah. Excellent. Oh well, good a on. A lot them. more patient than me. Yeah, it's something I wouldn't have thought about doing online but there again i guess your um your other participants that's a very unique skill <laughs> well yes did you find that no. the other students in the class were also similar to you or were they at different levels david yeah uh, similar to me. yeah now somebody said look up there i think i think i've got it up the right way how old Woodworks. Woodworks, is it? Oh, Woodworks, is it? Oh, it is too. It's works. Now, is it works what's spelled with an X. What's the age limit of this? Hey? What's the age limit? <laughs> Here we go. It's either 5-7 or 8-12. So easy that only a child can do it. Yeah. Good on you. Well, good on well, you. At for least they couldn't get, you know, they couldn't get into too much trouble doing no, that. No, no, you're not. You're, the I, worst thing that... It's not like putting your... The worst thing they could do is make a mess of it. But yeah, it's not like putting you know, your coffee table together the day you move into a new house and you've got bits and pieces and stuff everywhere and your sister going crook because she's trying to do the co <laughs> she's trying to do the dining room table and then the cabinet that she built for me fell to bits in my friend and my hand. <laughs> that was a comedy of errors. But mm -hmm. since then, I, I and another friend have become very good at putting IKEA together and she reads the instructions and shows it, you know, a bit like your instructor, I guess, and um, yeah. you know, we can hold things together and do them up with a proverbial yeah. Allen key. Um, so that's really good. So that should go in the museum. So this is during the level no. three. Have you been back to Vision Australia since that, David? No. no. Oh, okay. No. One so we were supposed to be going back in July. But now well, we... Um, now, knows. I think a phone call, I think it was today, and they said that that's when I signed 
Oh, okay. So there's still a bit of time to go for them to have mm. you back. Yeah, well, of course, you're, I yeah. think you were asking me about the trains last week. There are fewer yeah. people on the yeah. trains. But, you know, um, I, you know I've, I've been on a few trains in the last month and it's, it's sort of good to be back on them. You know, you don't want to spend too much time away from it if you, if you possibly can't because vision impaired people have enough issues getting around and having the, that level of confidence anyway it was good for me to sort of get back amongst yeah. it yeah. very much so yeah because and i mean one of the things i've noticed with the you know covid19 from a vision impaired point of view is like mm. we went dave had to have a procedure done at st vincent's um last month Mm-hmm. On the sixth of May, sixth of May, which when we, you know, they started to ease the restrictions, so we went in by train. That was fine. Okay. But yep. of course, everything's changed. You know, we could like because I can see, I can see where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to do. Um, so the train station, we were able to manage, negotiate. But then when we got to St Vincent's, mm. um, going into the main part to get um get the procedure done because there's you know there's then uh they've net they had it blocked off you know so you've got sort of a barrier in the middle of the um doorway so there's mm. you're supposed to go in and net you know and of course there's big signs entrance and an exit no, or no entry on the other side um I can't see. and of course Dave, he can't see. So, of course, mm. he'd go, you know, and I'm used to him just, he's used to walking, you know, because we go to St. Vincent's quite often, a bit. Yes. If it's like his yeah. second home, right. whenever he you know, needs anything done. Mm. Um, so, he, he just goes straight in the way he normally would. And yeah. it's like, I'm having to grab him back. No, you're not allowed to go that <laughs> you can't way. go that way. Having oh. to, you know, mm. so those sort of things that, you know, and it's the same in the shop. You know, if you go to the, the shops, oh, yeah, you know, you've got going things marked where market. you're supposed to go and there's, you know, mm. it, you know, the one way, you know, like at Bunnings, you know, you're supposed to go in one way and out the other way. Um, that's okay when you can see, but for mm. a blind person... Well, we've had a few anecdotes on this program about not being able to fill those Mm. markers they've got on the floor. Um, One of our, it was Ellie who said she went into the bank and the security people said, you can't go to talk that close to the the bank teller or something. And her daughter rushed in and said, well, leave her alone. She's blind, you know, (laughs) that sort of stuff. There was another instance where I think myself and a friend and I came out of uh, JB Hi-Fi once and we went out the inn entrance because we're just used to walking out. They've got a corridor in and a corridor out with a display out the front. You've got to go around one way to get in and come out the other way, and we didn't. We just crashed yeah. through. And, it's, it, and it's, it's also being handed a form and saying, Phil, listen, uh, sorry. Sorry, I can't see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and of course with me, you know, because I would normally go in with you know, in with, in with Dave, him, and then yeah. there's big mm. signs saying, you're not allowed, you know, you can't have family members with you. And we had to get special permission for me to go in because yes. he had to sign these forms, yes. which he can't Need read. Your wife, yeah. Um, mm. And that, but then, you know, they had to then work, you know, because they're not used to having people in. You know, they had to try and find a special place for me to sit. Mm. You know, while they're doing the procedure, because I can't be in there while he's doing it because I'd be too close. And yeah. 
yeah, so there's a whole pile of extra things that, you know. It's unbelievable, um, isn't it? Um, yeah, that kind of get, you know, make things a lot more complicated um, for a blind person. Yeah, things that often aren't thought situation. about until these things occur. You know, the, the, it's not in the government rule book how to deal with a blind person. It's just like um, wing it, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And you can't, you know, mm. I mean, I'm not, you can't it's expect not them blaming to know. anyone. No, it's I just mean, the way they're is. trying to do the best they can. Mm. But, you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> that's right, you know. Mm. Um, and I guess. As a blind person, you got to, be, or, or as a blind person's carer, you got to be prepared to sort of speak up when when say, can't do, you know, sorry, but you know, mm. um, yeah. Sometimes, yeah, you sort of feel a bit funny when you walk, you know, particularly in strict lockdown. And I'd be walking, you know, holding Dave's arm as we walk through a car park because it's not safe, you know. It's a, that's, you know a lot safer for him in a car park where you've got cars coming all over the place. Um, but at the same time, it's like, oh, is people going to be thinking that I'm breaking the rules because mm. I'm not physically distancing? Now that we're at sort of level three, two-ish, something or other-ish, whatever, they seem to have dropped these one, twos and threes now. What do you think your let the hair down moment is going to be when you're able to do something that you haven't been able to do with the current level of restrictions? It's hard to know because, like, we've suddenly gone before my daughter, you know, in the before Saturday, before Sunday, like, we could, my daughter could come and visit us legally, but now she suddenly can't. Well, she's it, got too many people in the family. Too many people in the family. Well, it's got to be, it's apparently it's five people plus the householders. Yeah, she's got four kids. Yeah, so, yeah, okay, so it's, yeah. Okay, so that's so six, six, you know, six, so unless she lets yeah, six. six. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, and we had this conversation once before too. So that's an issue for you now, isn't it? Because uh, before yeah. Sunday it was actually up at 20 minus the householder, so you would have fitted them in. Um, what about And church? then it's like, are we supposed to go, you know, and then you feel a bit apprehensive, you know, because Dave, sees her husband for you know get to get his feet done mm. he's a podiatrist and we normally then visit the family and it's like are we breaking the rules if we you know are we mm. is this right i mean okay legally we're allowed to go to their house and i mean we're allowed to visit a him as a podiatrist mm. but then are we I'll just putting say it's ourselves at risk at, at you know by mm -hmm. Being, you know, because you can't—it's a bit hard to physically distance from grandkids. From your, particularly. Well, of course it is, particularly grandkids. Mm. And what about going mm. to church and all that sort of stuff? Have you been doing any of those on those um, those services online with Zoom or, or the like? Yeah, they've done Zoom. Yeah. So we, our Just church is actually really lucky. Just Zoom. Yeah, <laughs> she's all zoomed out. Yeah, I'm zoomed out. Um. So a while ago, about a year ago, they, our church decided that we should be doing more teaching, needed to be more family orientated. So they organized, they, they organized this program where we were like each year, like 
at church we have usually a sacrament meeting, which is like your normal church service, and then there's the Sunday school for the um, teenagers and adults where we study the scripture, which is like a Bible study, mm. scripture study mm. class, while the younger ones go into primary, which is like your, you know, little mm. class, you know, doing more simple things. Um, so they reduce the amount of time we do, and then there's, there's also a class for the men and the women to do things separately where we can discuss still spiritual stuff but on a you know that relates to us um so they cut down the time and then put this program in place where we would study the scriptures more and there's Mm. sort of this program to study the scriptures at home Mm. and we're encouraged to do that you know at home but of course now with covid it's really come into its own so they are you know there's no church services yeah um it's all at home and so we've been you know we've been using this program that they're set up and there's sort of videos attached to it and there's you know like you've got the scriptures and then there's a discussion about the scriptures so we just do that on a sunday and that's been good but then the branch that we go to have also been having some meetings online on zoom as well excellent yeah Um, Mm. you can still get to to Mm. worship and do do that some yeah. st- do, so at least you sort of connected, but connected it's not to the community. Yeah, you miss it. Yeah, you still yeah. miss that personal connection. Um, yes. Mm. Oh, you would. And the ability, and the ability to sort of sing and pray together. I know when I went to some church services online over Easter, and they had one person that would play the piano and, and do the singing and the rest of us kind of had to mute so you didn't get all the yeah. delays through Zoom. But it just didn't feel this. It, I mean, it was nice, but it just didn't feel the same. Yeah, yeah it's, not. Mm. it's not. It really isn't the same. No, mm. no. But it's amazing how it's forced, I'll encourage, is probably a better word, people to think of alternative ways to get together, like you were saying a year before, you know, people, uh, organisations, be them churches, Toastmaster clubs, you know, even other service clubs are looking for ways to meet online and it's, oh, it's all a bit too hard. We'd rather just go to the venue. Yeah. Now we've got this alternative um, to going to the venue. There's going to be a few rents out there that are probably not going to be so much renewed for venues, for clubs and, you know, various different uh, organisations that, oh, we might as well stay online or we, we'll meet fewer times a month in in our club rooms or in our church or in our breakout groups or our community groups because we've got this now we've all made this online option the norm Mm. but also i i like to think that in some ways the opposite can happen too because churches and different organizations have reached out in the online platform people have been able to delve safely into that area and now that you know once things start opening up they might decide maybe i'll actually go along and actually physically meet these people that i've met Mm. online Mm. so it might encourage some others to actually turn up that would not necessarily have come along as well Mm. very good point i think one thing i have it noticed that there's sometimes more creative ways of dealing with things so 
um, my my brother would ring, you know, this is once we came out of, so while we're in self-isolation, I noticed I got a lot more phone calls than I'm used to from like my brother <laughs> or Malcolm. Malcolm would ring nearly every day to check on us. Um, we Malcolm's had... Malcolm's our son. Yeah, yes, Malcolm's my yes, son. Yeah, yeah. Your son, yeah, uh, yeah. And he lives quite close. So we had... Um, so we had to sort of work out, and then once we got out of that isolation, so he would ring around, you know, so one time he rang up and said, what do you need? And I was like, I actually need hot cross buns. I mean, I know I don't need them, but I would like, you know. You'd like them, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yes, I, so, I had a few here too. <laughs> I like hot cross buns. and I can't go out and buy them. They're pretty, pretty neat, aren't they? And um, so... My daughter-in-law went and bought me some hot cross buns and, you know, it was kind of funny because they would drop, either my daughter-in-law or, my, or usually my son would come around and he'd drop, you know, he'd, he'd come up to the door, press the door with a buzzer, put the stuff on the seat next to the door, front door, and then he'd walk down the steps and then I'd come out, you know, I'd come out <laughs> and then we could sort of just say hello, you know, just a brief yeah, hello just a brief from hello. a distance mm. um, as he sort of walked away. But, you know, at least the, at least that that was kind of nice being able to at least do that. And then it was Dave's birthday on the 18th of April, so that's in the middle of lockdown, you know, yeah. when we're out of isolation. but. We're still in this level yeah. three. Uh, um, you had a couple of birthdays, yeah. I think I remember you telling us last week. Yeah, and my birthday as no, well. Singing happy Mother's birthday Day, on so. Zoom, I guess. Yeah, so my son, my, my daughter-in-law is a very good baker. She's really, right. She makes really good desserts and cakes. So for Dave, she made cupcakes. So she, my son brought his, his kids... A good walker, so they walked over here with the with the baby in the pram, with the cakes underneath the pram, mm-hmm. dropped them off at the door, um, so I could get bring them in, including a cake handle, so we could sing happy birthday um, on Zoom. And he did the same for my cake, my birthday. They brought a cake round in the pram, um, and that you know. It's not nice, but it's not the same on Zoom. You know, no, happy no. birthday is pretty. No, I don't think I've ever had a birthday Zoom, party on Zoom. To be honest, I don't know that I'd be looking forward to mine being on Zoom. No, it's like Mother's Day was just. Oh well, we had to give up Anzac Day, Mother's Day. People have given up birthdays and and other anniversaries, and um, you know, it's been uh, people have contributed a lot to this. You know, you know, but in, restrictions. In Victoria, situation. Yeah, because we're allowed to go for you're allowed to go for a walk with one other person. So my brother used to come round and I'd go for a walk with him. Mm. Um, but we'd stay. You know, he'd walk on the street and I'd walk on the footpath, so we kept our distance. Mm. Mm. But at least it was it was nice to do that. And then sometime Malcolm would ring and he'd say, "Right, I'm going for a walk." And um, sometimes me and sometimes both of us would just happen to walk 
the same direction. Oh, funny about that. Yeah, funny about that. What a coincidence. We're out walking at the same time. It's not our fault if we happen to walk the same way. Fancy meeting you. We we stay, I mean, we had to sort of instruct the kids, you know, kids would demonstrate exactly how far apart they're allowed to be. But mm. then they forget and want to play Chasey. And I, I'm not allowed to play Chasey. I am not actually walking with you. I am separate from, I'm in a separate group from you. Um, yep. You know, they did get the message after a while. But, you know, it sort of, it was a bit uncomfortable having to be, you know, had to be really cautious. But at least, yeah, <laughs> but it was still nice to at least see my son and, or see us sun and you know go for a walk as you do and i think it's a sensible thing like i went walking a lot on my own because i'm on my own but uh yeah i just took the view that i think they got to a point where you could walk if you were from the one family it got a bit entangled the rules and you know i don't think there's yeah you were allowed to walk one you were allowed like a, a household were allowed to walk together right or you could walk with one other one single person oh, okay right so, so like my brother, but you were, were supposed to start. You were supposed to physically distance. Yes. Um, so it was. I think the idea was that that way, you know, women could walk safely. You know, because some women might not be feel safe walking on their own, or mm. you know, some people can't walk. You know, need someone with them for safety or whatever. So at least it, it allows everyone to get out without and. Yeah, yeah, interesting, isn't but it? You're not breaking, you know, you're not, not breaking too of, many rules. Um, and you, yeah, well, that, I mean, that was the rule. You're allowed to do it, and you, you know, you mm. as long as you keep your 1.5 meters apart. Basically, throughout all of this, guys, um, have you? Do you think any of this has taught you something, or made you into a stronger person or a stronger family unit during all of this? It brings us to. Our family's probably the most important thing. Yep. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because we, I mean, even we've got two children overseas in England. Of course, yes. And so we, we obviously, you know, that doesn't, COVID doesn't change the rules about talking to them because you, you know, there isn't any physical distancing, you know, that's automatic. Um, but I think they've wanted to talk to us more regularly too. You know, yeah, I've heard that, that said by other families too that they've become a bit closer. Um, a friend of mine said that to me just last week. Wanting to check on each other and yeah, just um, want to check brings family closer together in different countries, doesn't it? Mm. You realise just how important some of those traditions that we have. Like we normally have an Easter camp every year. Mm. Um, where we go away with my brother's family and our family, so my brother's kids, my kids, and all the grandkids, um, and we've been doing that for you know since our kids were young. Um, so the cousins all grew up together, and that was probably the the that was the hardest thing of COVID with missing out on our Easter camp. Oh, dear. Because we couldn't get, you know, not being able to get together with that whole family 
um, was really, really tough and it just didn't feel like Easter. Um, mm. we, you know, we, there's lots of traditions about it, you know, we go to church, you know, do, we either go to church together or we do our own church service together where we share our testimonies and talk about what Easter means and, you know, all of that type of stuff that goes on and, um, yeah, you know, seeing the grandkids all enjoying each other's company and that's been really tough to miss out on. Um, yeah. Yeah, because over here too, Easter weekend is a big weekend for um, big church youth camps. Yeah. And, and those didn't happen as well. And um, so a lot of the young people were actually missing out on all that fun and excitement that they'd been looking forward to for months and months and months, and then it just mm. didn't happen. Yeah. And, of course, uh, sometimes Easter here is uh, tied up with the school holidays, so there's all sorts of activities usually going on, school camps, mm. you know, church groups, you know, youth groups, a whole, whole mm. gambit, and everyone had to give that up. This yeah. year, so let's hope next by the time Easter rolls around next next year, things are a bit better. And of course, we're going to have to find a way of living with this until there's a vaccine, of which mm. is still no no sign of getting a little bit closer. I was hoping I haven't heard much on that in the last few weeks, but uh, hopefully something good will come sooner than later. Yeah, mm. guys, I think this has been a fantastic interview. We've gone a little bit longer than usual, but there are two of you. Uh, both of whom have a fantastic story to tell or many little stories that sort of blend into each other. Is there anything you would like to add before we finish up? Well, I was just going to say I found it really hard that people avoided me in the street when I went for a walk. Mm. Yeah. And I, I found that hard because I realised while they were doing it, but I still find it really hard. It's not human you know? nature, is it, and to avoid people like that? No. It's like you've got the plague, but, you know, and, and I've, I've sensed it as well sometimes. And, you know, we had this... Dis- but I, after a couple of weeks, mm. people started to say hello again. Yes. Which was really good. Mm. You know, I noticed, you know, oh, you know, they're still saying hello now. But at first, you know, it was all... Oh, and I wonder mm. whether being blind makes it harder because at least when you can see, you can sense, you can see what people are actually, you can see their facial expressions and what yes. they're trying to do or not. And so you mm. know whether it, you, you know, it's appropriate to, Put your hand out and shake. To say, to oh. say hello, mm. or or whether to or to smile at them, or or mm. whatever you know. So sometimes it, you know people would smile at you, and might even if they don't speak to you, you know, and and then you feel you can say hello. Whereas for a blind, you know, for Dave, he can't see those. Gestures, he doesn't get those gestures. Those, yes, you know, yes. You say hello, you know, you can feel it there about, and they don't say anything, you know. Mm. And I thought, what a snow world. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, blind. But but also, it's a, it's it it did make people on both sides weary because I fell into the trap. I had uh, new neighbours move in just after we came out of our lockdown and into level three, 
and so my original neighbours moved out and and this couple moved in and he was standing in the carport one day and said hello and introduced himself and I automatically put my hand out you know as you do didn't even think about it and then oh shit and by the time that that I had that thought his hand had already sort of very slowly hesitantly touched mine and he was like should should we be doing this as well? But we did in the end. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Well, we do. I I met I've, I've met mm. a few new people lately, and then we've just been. Well, we had an elbow bump thing the other day, and then it turned into a hug at the end of the night because we're on hugs. And <laughs> this particular couple who came to our dinner party wasn't, um, but they sort of came onto hugs. I think at the end of the night. <laughs> but see, with blind with blind people. Um, you do need that proximity to be able to read the person. And obviously Dave started yeah. to develop, develop that sense since losing his sight. We've had it, Carolyn and I would have had that most of our lives, mm. but for Dave it's a more recent <clears> thing. <throat> but you need that proximity. Yeah. Mm. And also I think the other thing is with because like, the kids, the grandkids have been in, um, had homeschooling and particularly oh, yes. for Adele's kids, that you know, that seems to have really messed them up, but it sort of changed, the, you know, the relationship because they're not, you know, used to being around, you know, so you sort of not seeing them regularly and so it's changed what you're allowed, you know. Mm. So it's a bit more difficult for Dave, I think, to sort of interact with them because they've actually changed. Mm-hmm. Um, then you know you're kind of having to be a little bit more careful with how you do things with them to encourage them. But then uh, you know you don't want to be. That's interesting. Having isn't it? them the, or doing the, the, things with no, them. The grandkids have changed. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's something I hadn't thought um, about. Hey, and they, they've, they've, they, mm. I reckon they've been really messed up by the homeschooling. Yeah. Oh yes, um, I don't. Think my sister was my sister was quite adamant about it this morning. I was talking to her, and she said they ought not have these upcoming school holidays. Had enough enough bloody time off school, and you know, term two for my niece and nephew would have, from what all from what I can gather from what my sister's been saying, a total write off. They've been back for a few short weeks here at term three, and they're back on holidays again as of next week. And I think it has basically messed with the kids probably more than the. Government would like to tell us to be honest. I think from what I can get, I think it depends a lot on kids and certain age le- year levels are more affected. Like my son's kids, they they're okay, you know, and yeah, they miss school and they're really happy to be back and they're back to normal. But they had, you know, their mum was free, you know, wasn't working. Um, their dad was at home, you know, and he was able to because of his work was able to manage you know, take them for walks and do things with them. And so, you know, they got quite a lot of attention um, and fun as well. Yeah. Whereas my daughter's trying to run a business. Oh, okay. And having and the kids at home. Do, having the kid teach the kids. And she had one in grade one who was really struggling with, you know, he needs a lot of help. Um, and then she's got two little mm-hmm. kids, mm-hmm. To, you know, that were just – running riot um and that you know so then the kids have got mm-hmm. used to just being at home and doing as they pleased um and then you had one in grade three or no grade mm-hmm. four 
who's used to be able to just do everything really fast on the computer because he just has the basic work. Um, and so they're like, oh, why do we need to go back to school? We can just, let's just stay home and do as we want and spend our time on the pad, iPads. And Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, uh, we had um, Crystal on here talking about her son. He was living the dream, you know, staying home, playing on the computer. No, it's not good for kids, mm. but, you know, it then affects how we can interact with them too. And then you, and now you're feeling guilty, you know, it's like, I should, you know, I would like to go and spend more time with them. But, you know, because all these cases in Victoria from COVID are all from family interaction, mm. from people going around to families and not physically distancing. I'm like, if we go around Christ there... Christian is, why is it happening here more so than New South Wales? In New South Wales, we have a, a, a higher um, population of people with more freer and faster movement than Victoria and fewer cases. So, you know, I, I still have difficulty... Maybe Victorians are just more social. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, no. I'd, some of it's luck. Of some of it flawed, is people that have done broken the rule, definitely broken uh, yeah. the rules. Well, ten thousand people in a protest. Our weather is different. Well, we do have a cooler mm. climate, but even so, you know, and so, but you... that does have an impact because mm. you know, if you think we have, you know, if you have a get to get a family get together. You have to, you know, it's pouring with rain, it's breathing cold. You're inside where you're all crowded together. In New South Wales, you have a family get together. It's, uh, you know, 18 degrees and it's sunny. And let, you go and have a barbecue. Unless you happen to be in Bendemi in New South Wales where it was four degrees this morning, then it might be a bit different. <laughs> or down yeah, in but, the, you know. But yeah. yes, I know what you're saying. Most of New South Wales, let's talk about the Sydney Basin, for example, uh, they do enjoy a much warmer climate even at this time of year. So your, your ability to be outside you know, you is, might is get, better. Inland, you might get cold overnight. But yeah. And I mean, and let's face it, all the the majority of cases have always been in Sydney, in the capital city, Sydney and Melbourne. Um, you know, if you're in the country, you know, the, mm. there's not a lot of cases. No, there aren't. It's, it's centred around Sydney. But, um, well, let's hope that these cases will disappear, you know, because we're now talking about various suburbs here in Melbourne that have, you know, that, well, even the New South Welsh people, the outspoken Deputy Premier of New South Wales, John Barillara, um, said this morning, you know, we, we, you know, we're trying to limit people coming from various places in Victoria. It's almost like keep out Mexicans. Well, it, and, and, and actually, I've heard Daniel Andrews saying the same thing don't come to those visit those places. Because we don't want to spread the disease, and that's fine. Yeah, we are out of time. It's what do you think? Um, mm. What do you think, um, mm. Carolyn? This has been a stunning interview. I I knew this was going to be a good one, it has. hasn't it? You know, there's just yes. so many twists and turns to their tale, isn't it? It's 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 mm. it's one for the books. This one really is, isn't it? So, guys, thank you for your it, time. It is. Thanks. And uh, that's been uh, Christine and David Pocock, who live in the outer eastern suburbs here in Melbourne, where it is nice and cool. Thank you for your time, and we'll be back with more in a moment. Thank you. See you. Well, Carolyn, uh, who have we got on next time? Next time we have got another couple so it's the couch again now the corona couch is back out again yep paul brown and his partner nicola oh Owen. boy now paul and 
Paul and Nicola uh, both came to New Zealand from the UK. Back, Nicola came out first and Paul decided I'm not letting this woman get away. So he followed her out. And they live here in Auckland and they run a very unique business called Audio Describe Aotearoa. And so Nicola and Paul have been involved in training a lot of the audio describers in New Zealand. They've been responsible for doing audio description, description for a lot of events in theatre, the ballet, even orchestral events, wow. and even open air events like the Rose Show. So we're going to find out what life has been like for them in New Zealand during lockdown and what they got up to with audio description and what life is now like again for them. Oh, I'm so looking forward to that. Paul Brown, I uh, last saw him in Brisbane last year when uh, I was on unboxing an iPad with him. So that might be an interesting story mm. we can talk about tomorrow night as well. In a, in a formal <laughs> dinner, I might add. I won it. And Paul and a number of others said, go on, set it up now, set it up now. I said, we are in a formal dinner, but yeah, let's do it. You know, like he's a he's a lot. And just just for the just for the listeners, Paul is is blind, and Nicola is sighted. She is actually a qualified mobility and orient, orientation instructor. Excellent, as well. Excellent. So she's got extensive knowledge. Yes, and uh, they're a delightful couple and a lot of fun, especially when you get Paul going. So it's going to be a wonderful uh, session for uh, episode eighteen coming up later this week. Anyway, guys, it's been a great time talking to the Pococks. Uh, we love the New Zealanders. We love the Australians. And, of course, you know, people try and pick on us. But if you pick on one, you pick on two. The Kiwi 